few weeks ago, I knew I was preaching on um, July 16th, which is today. And I was out for a walk and I was praying, God, you know, where, where are we going? Um, what, what would you have me say? Summer together. And I started to sense this scripture surface in my heart. Now, I stopped dead in my tracks and I was like, no, I'd rather go anywhere else. Um, and let me tell you a story of why. So approximately 20 years, I've only, I've only, you know, in my living memory, conscious memory, I've only preached on this passage of scripture twice. This is the second time. The first time was approximately 20 years ago, and as I was standing before the church, preaching on being the salt and the light, which we will get to the understanding of what this metaphor is in a few moments, um, as I was talking to the church, I felt like the Holy Spirit very clearly, one of the most clear times I've ever sensed the voice of the Lord speak to my heart in the middle of the sermon. Jen, you don't know what you're talking about. Now, let me just put some things in context. So I wasn't born into a Christian home, but when I was in about kindergarten or grade one, um, me and my sisters were invited to Sunday school. And my parents, or my mom first, and then my dad, joined with us as we went to Sunday school, my mom being a super friendly person and, and looking for friends in what was a fairly new community to us, Powell River, um, tagged along to church. We quickly became involved in the Foursquare Church in Powell River. And the, the dates of joining and becoming a Christian are really blurry to me because I was young and I just fell head over heels in love with this person, Jesus. And I was like radically, radically converted at a young age and I invited everyone and anyone that would come with me to Sunday school, to Sunday school, because I wanted them to have what I had. And also there were prizes if you brought people <laughs> to church. So I grew up in this age and stage of inviting people to church. Inviting them to come and experience what I had experienced. I also grew up in an era where there was very um, aggressive, what I would consider aggressive forms of evangelism. So we went through different knocking on door campaigns and we went through different um, leaflet or pamphlet information, just like drop it and, and leave. And what didn't feel personal or connected, let me just put those words in there either. It wasn't like I was personally connected with the people, it was just like, here's Jesus, you need Jesus, and then I would go. This is my experience with the church and the experience I grew up in. So fast forward through high school, I went to a public high school and I began leading the youth group at a very young age and moved towards ministry quite quickly and I very, other than going to a public high school, and this is where <laughs> Pastor Joel talks about his teenage years, and um, although we're very similar in age, our teenage years were spent quite differently. Um, my persona could have been called church girl because I was in church more than I was in high school. Um, I just kind of walked by the principal on my way up to the church to play the piano or lie on the floor and pray or whatever, really, I just skipped high school to go to church, literally. 
That's a whole nother story. Um, But I just, I was full of church. I cleaned the church, was one of my first jobs. I was a youth leader, unpaid, and then I was a youth pastor. And for a short stint outside the church, I worked in an after-school program for special needs children. And that was my experience of working outside the church. Fast forward about six, seven years, I'm standing in front of the church that I had been a youth pastor at, and then, you know, I'd I'd gone away for a short time. I'd worked at Old Navy. I'd done a few things that were different than um, ministry. But I'm standing in front of the church, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Jen, you don't know what it means to be salt and light. You have been, for the most part, surrounded by salt and light. And I would love it if you would venture into and... I'm not going to use any specifics in case anybody ever watches this message and feels like they're a project. So any, any discussion of my experience outside of the church and, and these stories are gonna be used without any uh, indication of who I'm talking about to, to show that it was never a project. It was... God moving my heart towards people in a way that, bless you, (laughs) in a way that I had not experienced previous. So as soon as the service was over, I asked the council to meet me in my office for a quick meeting. And at that meeting, I asked them, I shared with them what I felt like God had spoken to my heart during the sermon. And they were like, okay. And then I said, and I request your permission to take a part-time job outside of this full-time job, um, and I'll cut back hours, I'll cut back salary, whatever you need at the church, Um, but I'm gonna take a job outside of the church um, to experience what it's like to be in the community. And so I did. I walked out of church, walked into this local business right after the church and said I'd like to apply. And long story short, the manager of the, through the hiring process and all of these things, the manager was like, your resume is, is church heavy and um, I need you to promise that you're not going to preach and I need you to promise, like Jen, I, I'm not joking, you are not allowed to talk about Jesus at work. Like this is not your soapbox, this isn't what's going on here. I said, no, I'm here to just work and experience work and coworkers. And that's what I did. And six months later, we were at a council meeting and we were reviewing the year. And one of the questions was, what's the most significant thing that's happened in the life of your church in the last year? And one of the council members put up his hand and he's like, Jen got a job outside the church. And I was like, what? He goes, you understand what it's like to go from a 12-hour shift into a prayer meeting in the evening. You understand what it's like to have coworkers that don't like you. You understand what it's like to process conflict at work. That moment of, Jen, you don't know what you're talking about is one of the altars of my life that has forever changed me. Those four years I worked alongside ministry and the people I got to meet and the 
Wiccan wedding services that I was asked to perform, which I didn't, because Wiccan and Jesus are an interesting combination. But those people's lives I got to journey with, and some had some impact of relationship and friendship and faith, that forever changed my understanding of salt and light. My approach until then had been that my words are what matter most. And through that time, I learned and appreciated what the, this quote that's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, it says, preach the word at all times. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Today I wanna to talk about being salt and light. The main point is that being salt and light, which are metaphors that we'll talk about in a bit, are often individually expressed. They're individually expressed in our context, in our workplaces, in our family, in our neighborhoods, in who we are, and the, the systems that surround us as individuals but they are encouraged by our experience together as believers here and in our life groups and in our discipleship night classes and in our connect events. There are opportunities to get to know one another and those opportunities serve as points of connection and encouragement of our lives outside of here and now in our contexts of family. Who is the world around you? Who are the people? Who are the places that are your opportunities for salt and light? As, I, uh, as we turn in our scripture to Matthew chapter five, I was reading in a commentary uh, this past week and I feel like this um, this message in this passage of scripture naturally follows our following the way of Jesus and journeying to the upper room and journeying from the upper room. Um, Craig Keener in his New Testament commentary says this about this passage. He said, a disciple of the kingdom who does not live like a disciple of the kingdom is worth about as much as tasteless salt or invisible light. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage of scripture. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter five? In the Sermon on the Mount, right after the Beatitudes, which Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek. Right after that, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus uses two metaphors here, and they translate quite well. We still have salt and we still have light. We still need both of these things. In the first part, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Our first point today is that salt 
enhances and preserves. Too much is gross, too little is ineffective. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And in that, it's not to say that old fashioned salt would lose its saltiness. He's using a bit of humor, a bit of sarcasm even, like if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's just this like kind of poke fun at, comical moment of levity to consider, if salt isn't salty, what good, what purpose does it serve? And if it's not salty, it's not good for anything except to throw it out and trample it underfoot on the ice or the snow that is around us. Salt is an enhancer. It enhances, natural salt enhances the flavor of whatever you put it in. We, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, we enhance the presence of God. We enhance, in the world around us, we enhance. We bring forward, we support, we bring to the surface and make people aware of, that's what enhance means, we make people aware of the character of God, the purposes of God, the love of God. That's what salt does. I grew up in a family where the one that did the most cooking, and if you're watching this, you know this is true about you, mom. She doesn't like salt. She doesn't like cooking with salt. Refuses to cook with salt. So as I grew up watching her learning to cook, I never cooked with salt. And as I started to read my own recipes and and develop my own sense of culinary expertise from the Food Network, because that's all I watched for a lot of years is the Food Network, still today, I'd rather fill my head with like food than a lot of the other things that are out there. I started paying attention to the fact that judges on shows would be like, it's not salty enough. There's not enough salt in this. You can't taste it. Like, there's something about this that's not right. And I saw them adding salt to things, like so much salt to things. So I started looking into it. And salt is a flavor enhancer, even if it's in cookies. It brings out the flavor. We are the salt of the earth. We bring out the presence of God because we carry the presence of God with us. We preserve faith, we preserve hope, we preserve light and life and love. And too much salt is gross. When I was in foods and nutrition, grade 11 and 12, we were making jam and one of the people went to the pantry and the lids were off of things and they put their cup measure into what they thought was sugar. Yes, you know, some of you already know where I'm going. And they put a cup of salt into their strawberry jam. It was not good. We all had to taste it. The teacher was like, taste it so that you won't make that mistake again. Yeah, didn't like strawberry jam for a while after that. Too much salt is not a good thing. My sisters will tell the story of getting to the bottom of pretzels. You know what's at the bottom of a bag of pretzels? The salt, which is really good when it's attached to a pretzel. Lick it off. 
But when you down the bottom of salt that's at the bottom of the pretzel bag, you need pretzels for a very long time after that. Too much salt is gross. The same as a person who is too forceful, too preachy, too much. You need Jesus. Too much is a misrepresentation of the grace and the love and the mercy and the character of God. But also, too little is ineffective. It's easy to point our fingers at, well, that person and that way and that method of evangelism is too much. But while we say that, we also need to appreciate that too little is ineffective. And as Jesus said, and as Keener mentioned in his commentary, if we profess to be disciples of Jesus and we don't model it and live it out, we are like tasteless salt and invisible light. Do people around you see that you are a Christian from your actions and your words? from your processes of old becoming new, from the fruit of the spirit that's cultivated and demonstrated in your life, from the peace that you walk in and the joy that you walk in and the love that you walk in? Or are you enhancing fear, doubt, conflict, negativity, I think when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, we can be salt for Jesus. We can be salt for the darkness and we can enhance things that don't need help enhancing in the world around us. In Colossians chapter four, the apostle Paul writes this and he includes this idea of salt. He starts by saying, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. We're gonna talk about prayer in a moment, about practical salt and light. But he says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Then he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. We are the salt of the earth. And as we consider the world around us, There is wisdom required in how we enhance the character and nature and love of God. And there is prayer needed to say, God, what in this season? Who in this season? Where in this season? What are you highlighting in my life to be a flavor enhancer? and a preservative of all that you are and the hope that you offer. We are the salt. Point number two is that light 
we are the light of the world, light reveals and guides. Too much is distracting, too little is unhelpful. Light reveals and guides. Too much is distracting, too little is unhelpful. Again, Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light reveals. The same way that salt enhances and preserves, light reveals who God is. It reveals through our lives the grace, the salvation, the deliverance, the healing. Through our good deeds, stay tuned, we'll talk about that in point number three. Through our hospitality, which I'll talk about again in point number three, but Pastor Keaton preached a phenomenal sermon two weeks ago on hospitality. If you weren't here or didn't hear it, go back and listen. It's profoundly important for us as a community, both us as a community and towards the community around us. Through our love for one another, Jesus said that they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. In a world where loneliness and isolation is dominant, where brokenness and fear and anxiety are king, the light that is within us is profoundly powerful. But again, too much is distracting, too little is ineffective. How many really like the new high efficiency high beams that vehicles have? Yeah, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. On um, driving home to Powell River at Christmas time, it was the week of the really bad snow ice thaw thing. I was driving through uh, the Burnaby Lake section and it was so dark so early that the, I don't know if they're like light powered, big street lights or what, but they kept going off. So I would enter into the section of highway one, sheet of ice, and it's like all the street lights would go off because they weren't registering that there was any movement or whatever. I don't understand and I don't know. All I know is my experience was, oh my gosh, I am in utter darkness on a sheet of ice. And then a vehicle would come towards me with those very, very bright high beams. And I literally came to a stop on highway one because couldn't see. When something is so bright after darkness, it's distracting. Or if someone has a laser pointer in your eye, or I remember my first sermon here and our our stage lights were so bright and the congregation lights were so dark that I had no idea if anybody was here. Light, too much light can be distracting and not enough can be entirely ineffective. I spent a month serving at an orphanage in Malawi, Africa, and um, 
One night the power went out and there was this big storm and I had to get from one building to the next for my shift and it was like two o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. And I'd forgotten my flashlight at my, where I was sleeping. And I got outside and I was like, oh, no problem. I should be able to make it to the other place. And then the power went out in that transition place and all of a sudden I was in complete darkness, except for lightning. Lightning was the only light, but was it effective? No. <laughs> was it predictable? Mm-mm. But it was hugging buildings and being like, crack, scurry, 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 and then darkness, and then crack, and then scurry, 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 because too little light is not effective for going where we need to go. We are the light of the world. We show people the way. Disciples of Jesus are meant to be more and more and more in the process of coming into the light and having the light shine through them. Jesus uses a parable in Matthew chapter 25 and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he uses this parable of a Jewish wedding experience. And um, he talks about these 10 bridesmaids, 10 virgins, depending on your translation. So I wanna talk about this just for a moment before we head into practical ways of being salt and light. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is teaching and he says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. In a nutshell, Jewish wedding ceremonies the bridegroom, the groom, and the bride would be betrothed to one another, and then the groom would go and prepare a place, usually with his family's home. And he would go prepare a place, and when the place was ready, this whole wedding party would come for the bride. And the bride would have these 10 friends, or these, in this situation, there's 10 of them. The bride would have her bridesmaids and they would all like light the way and it was this big festive party, whole big thing. And that's what's going on here. So Jesus says, at the time there are these 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in, and shut, uh, went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, we are not getting into any concept of end times discussion. We are talking about the principle of this passage of scripture. Regardless of when Jesus is returning, regardless of what that looks like, the principle of this story is that there were those prepared 
and those not prepared. Those that had lives of a lamp lit and oil accompanying and had established this way of following Jesus, the way of what was expected, they were wise and those that weren't. In the same way, this understanding is that those who are disciples of Jesus, those who follow the way of Christ, are cultivating oil. We're using a metaphor. They have a lamp that is burning. And as we spend time in community and spend time in worship and spend time in study and spend time in scripture and spend time fasting and praying, our jar of oil fills. And as the transforming power of Christ is in our lives and brings healing and brings deliverance and brings joy and brings peace, touches the broken areas and changes the angry areas, as our journey with Christ transforms us, that jar just keeps getting full, full of oil that produces light. Jesus says, be wise. Don't be the foolish ones. As we are light and salt, we cultivate this reserve of oil, this place that we draw the character and the nature and the testimony of Jesus out and shine it to the world around us. Point number three is about being practically salt and light. What are some practical ways, because sometimes when we dwell in the land of metaphor, we need some practical understanding of what does this look like, and I'm just drawing on three. Quite simply this morning, kindness. In Matthew 5.16, when we're talking about you are the light of the world, it says to shine your good works, that the world around would see the good works and praise your Father in heaven. Kindness is good works. Being a person who demonstrates love in action, who demonstrates care and consideration, who demonstrates knowing and paying attention, kindness. Some of the simplest methods of kindness are remembering people's names, the names of their children, what's going on, who's having surgery when. Being the person in your neighborhood or in your workplace that knows what people are going through. Kindness is a coffee brought. Kindness is a listening ear. Kindness is paying attention and knowing what's going on to be able to ask, how was your mother's surgery? It isn't always expensive and it isn't always huge and it isn't always grand and it isn't always like this big and flashly thing. Sometimes the most kind things we have to offer are our daily presence of listening and caring. Knowing the people around you. Second thing is hospitality. I've already mentioned Pastor Keaton's sermon from a couple weeks ago. I won't say anything more than go back and listen. If you're making notes, Go back and listen to his sermon from two weeks ago and consider ways of practicing hospitality, of being a welcoming presence, of facilitating 
care and concern and interaction. And prayer. I already read from Colossians chapter four, but Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer. And he says, pray for us. He says to pray for him who's in jail when he's writing this. But this passage and the heart of this passage is actually pray for yourself. Pray for the gospel to be shone and salted through your life. Pray for yourself that there would be opportunities to share Jesus. Pray for yourself. Pray for those in your life group. Pray for those in your discipleship night classes. The journey of walking alongside people in small groups, I have just had the true privilege of walking alongside a group of people through the book of Colossians and getting to know their lives and see what can be prayed for is just the most beautiful and humble and awesome opportunity to pray for one another and the concerns and the relationships that are trying, that are stressful, that are full of anxiety. These are the opportunities we have to be practically salt and light and so many more, so many more. But as we are the body of Christ, as we are disciples after the way, I'll invite the worship team to join us. Being salt and light, they're often individually expressed, but they are encouraged by our experience together as believers. And I wanna, I wanna say two things at the end of this message. The first one is that we have opportunity to be salt and light together at the BC Dumpling Fest. And this might feel like a really bizarre change of tracks. One of the most encouraging things that I've experienced in my previous communities where I've served, one was this one Sunday we decided, this one person came to me one Sunday and they were like, I just keep picturing us going and picking up garbage in the place of the sermon. And I was like, that's really random and I'm gonna need to take it to a few people before we decide to like cancel Sunday to go pick up garbage. But I took it to some people and we prayed about it and we canceled Sunday to go pick up garbage. And I'm not advocating for this. That's not what I'm advocating for. What I will say is that while we were picking up garbage, so many people, so many people got stopped and asked, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And this one man, he met up with these people that were picking up garbage in this one area of town and he's like, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And they were like, we're picking up garbage and praying for our community, but why? And he came back with them to church that morning, stayed for lunch and got invested and involved in church community because we were just out there picking up garbage together. And he was like, they were having so much fun. Six months later, we got the opportunity to baptism and baptize him and in his testimony he said, I will always remember the day I was watching these people pick up garbage and they were having so much fun together that I went up to them and said, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And he slowly got introduced to church because they were laughing together. You may have seen in the e-bulletin and the posters in the lobby, 
the BC Dumpling Festival. Northside is going to have a booth there. We're also going to be volunteering there. For more information, Gina is right here. Gina, do you want to wave? Gina's going to be available in the lobby afterwards. Gina and her team are the organizers of BC Dumpling Festival, a multicultural opportunity for connection and community in the Tri-Cities area. If you want to serve alongside Northside, if you want to serve at the Dumpling Festival, sign up. We are going to be a presence of light and salt there. But also individually, as we are considering this idea, as we turn to worship and consider who is around me that needs light, that needs salt? Who needs hospitality? Who needs kindness? Who am I praying for? Who can I encourage in my community? Let's take time to listen while we worship, while we respond to Jesus this morning. Let's take some time to listen. What would God be speaking to you today? What would he be calling you to today? Father, we do turn our affection to you. We turn our care, our thoughts, our love, our obedience, our submission. We turn our worship. We turn what we enhance to you. We turn what we preserve to you. We turn what we reveal to you and ask God for your presence to renew those areas. We offer you our fear. We offer you our doubt. We offer you our nervousness. We offer you our hesitation. We offer you our past and our present. We offer you what we've known and ask God that you would renew in us the light that you would renew in us the salty flavor of your goodness. God, I pray that we would have hearts open to receiving what you are speaking, that we would have hearts that are open to the courage it takes to follow you. We would have hearts that respond to you in the love that you so lavishly pour out on us. God, that we would be salty and light in just the right amount. Give us wisdom where we need it. In your name, Jesus, amen.